The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. P Knight, Elder P, Mini Garage. How you doing? Doing well. Yeah, I'm getting used to our little uh, surroundings here in this uh, kind of tucked away closet uh, of the church. Most, it's cozy. Most people go from like from like their garage into a like corner office into a studio. We've done the reverse. <laughs> So like, we're, like we're moving away from professionalism. Like, like yeah. we're we're a garage like a band. Like too. we're trying to get back to yeah. bad broom quality. closet <laughs> next. Here, broom closet. Here we come. Yeah, but despite that, we suffer in this closet for you, the listeners, <laughs> because as you've noticed, we've been more consistent in our content because we're able to just kind of cut away for forty minutes here and there. So that's good. That's a positive, yes. So yeah, it is a positive. So based on that, podcasts are for less busy people is what you're saying. I don't Recording want to paint them. that broad Recording. brush. Yeah, yeah. But so how do people who like do this all the time? Because with, with real jobs? With real jobs. Is that what you're going to ask? How do they find the time? That's my know. question. I don't know. Well, we are rectifying that as we look to hire another pastor because a church of 800 should have more than just us. That is true. So that is, that, true. that is part of it. And if you hear this before February 16th, <laughs> yeah, you, can, that's right. you can apply. You can apply. Go to Crossroads. If not, you're too late. Crossroadsingersall.ca and go to the careers tab. Yeah. Okay. couple things. We are the Rebels. We are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We are, are, are proud to be there alongside our other Canadians on the Canadian side. We're thankful to our friends over at Fight, Laugh, Feast. And uh, we would just encourage you, uh, download the Pub TV app. There's lots of fantastic content on there. There's videos from the most recent Fight, Laugh, Feast conference. Uh, there's just a lot of good stuff on there. So, so make sure you check that out. Speaking of conferences, and this will actually tie into a conversation that I wanted to start with. Knowing us, it will probably be the entire episode. <laughs> but we did want to get to a, a couple of questions that came in via email. We are going to be at the Right Response Conference in Taylor, Texas, yes. March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. We're excited to be there. Yeah, they did not ask me to speak, so I'm a little offended. <laughs> so um, Chris is going in there with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, none of those people know I exist, but like still. Probably the best way to get on stage anywhere is just to pout about not being on stage. It's <laughs> probably the best. <laughs> but we're looking forward to that. So Dr. Joe Boot, obviously Doug Wilson, Joel Webin. It's going to be a great uh, conference. I think Brian Sauvé is doing the music. Speaking of Brian Sauvé, one of the things I'm looking forward to at the conference, because you and I are Haunted Cosmos fans, 
Brian Sauvé and uh, Ben Garrett are going to be there from Haunted Cosmos. And I think they're going to do something. I, I want to say it's going to be a breakout session or, or something because it hasn't been advertised in the conference itself, but it's been advertised on Haunted Cosmos is that they're going to have some sort of a Haunted Cosmos feature with uh, Joel Webin asking them some questions. Now, for anybody who's been listening to the Rebels for a little while, you know that several months ago we went through a biblical cosmology series, actually one of our more popular series since our kind of restart Actually, our most it is our most popular content since our restart. Earlier on, it was the remember the Truth Apocalypse series. Yeah, that was so a great. Yeah, name. so if you're listening and you want more than just our voices, we used to bring guests on and and talk. That Truth Apocalypse series was fantastic. But most recently, it was the Biblical Cosmology series where we talked about angelology, demonology, and all kinds of the the weird all stuff the in scripture. Yeah, all the weird stuff in scripture principalities, powers of darkness, hierarchy of demons, hauntings, all that kind of stuff. And when we were going through that, that was really sparked because we actually found sort of haunted cosmos. We did actually direct people to that. We weren't just trying to do our own impression of them because I think we obviously our production quality in terms of like their their cold opens and all that kind of stuff, totally different shows. They cheat, they prepare. (laughs) Fair enough. But we did want to venture into that area, push some people to listen to Haunted Cosmos because we really uh, appreciated their content ourselves, but then come at it from, I would say, a more pastoral point of view. How can we counsel people who have experienced things? And really, that was also born out of our, our church has grown immensely over the last couple of years. And truthfully, it's grown a lot from new converts. And what we found is during COVID, there were a lot of people, there's sort of two crowds that saw through all of the COVID stuff. There were the conservative Christians who understood sphere sovereignty and, and, and that sort of stuff. And then there were a lot of like libertarian hippies, right? Like seriously. And and we've had- Every a, one of our people now is like, be like, I wonder which, which one they think which I'm one am I? Yeah. But we've had people who, who've gotten saved out of very dark, I would say occult and witchcraft and, and all kinds of different things. We've heard some crazy testimonies. And so we've had to make sense of this pastorally, just in terms of pastoral counseling, counseling people through some of the- aftermath of some of the things that they've been involved in in the past. So we really kind of took a more pastoral approach to that. Now, I say all that because finally, I think you have caught up to where Jordan and I were. Air Jordan was on most of those episodes to where you are. Like you've listened to a lot more Haunted Cosmos since then because the reading challenge is over and your time is your own again. And so you've started listening to more podcasts. So you've listened to a few more episodes. And so I kind of wanted to pick your brain. (laughs) Where are you at now? Because you're not as obsessed with it all when we were going through those episodes. And yet yeah, here you are. And now you're like, dude, black eye kids. What, what is this? Well, see, here, that's the thing is I, I had kind of cherry picked the episodes yeah. for what we were going to talk on. So I had, I had obviously listened to the one about Lilith before. Cause I like that's in scripture, but I hadn't listened to like the Mothman <laughs> and I hadn't listened to like black eyed kids, which was funny. Cause even when you we were talking about this, I think it was like last week or whatever, when I was just like, yeah, I, I'm going to go re-listen to them all before the conference so I can catch up, yeah, catch up. And you were like, you have to listen to the black eyed kids one. Cause and, it was so creepy. <laughs> and my first thought was like, what would be wrong if your kid had dark eyes? And then it dawned on me as you meant the white part of the eye. And I yeah. was like, oh, that is creepy. So Haunted Cosmos though, you're enjoying the show. It's what do you like about it? I like the fact that they tell you all the fringe stuff, 
but they don't take a default position that the French stuff is necessarily all true. They point out like some of these stories are fantastical and yeah. they're and they're made up, which means that when they're presenting it, they're presenting it kind of in a journalistic way, if that That's makes right. sense. Yeah, yeah. But their basic framework, and I would say this is the difference between Blurry Creatures, which is another podcast that's similar to this. Um, and I don't know their faith background or, or whatnot, but the default position is that scripture is the authority yeah. on haunted cosmos. So therefore it's, it's reconciling experience. It's reconciling weird things in this world. Cause we live in a magical world, right. Yeah. And to what scripture says about them. So like, like, okay, well, does that fit the story of scripture? Do we see this in the Bible? Whereas most of the time when people talk fringe kind of things, it's based on these things are real. And then we try to tweak other things to yeah. fit it, if that makes sense. That's a really good point because I think, you know, we, we even had a conversation recently with somebody who was, you actually had the conversation, but you're asking some pastoral advice to navigate the conversation of, of guys who believe that they had been transported to heaven and come back to tell the experience and all that kind of stuff. And like, so interestingly, when you start talking about whether it's being haunted by a demon, you know, having some sort of uh, experience that seems extraterrestrial, right? We've had episodes, so go back. If, if that lands on you and you're like, these guys are crazy, go back and listen to some of those biblical cosmology series where we talk about how we view there is a thin layer between the seen materialistic realm and the unseen realm. The Bible tells us that the world is not just stuff, that there is a spiritual component to it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There are two different realms, and we know that those realms can overlap at times. We see both demonic and angelic presence in the scriptures. So anyway, all that to say, no matter what you're doing, what you have to then do is you have to calibrate your experience to the word of God. So God's word doesn't say anything about aliens. And so when there is experiences of sort of alien hauntings, extraterrestrial hauntings, you know, all that kind of abductions, what you have to do is, okay, the Bible doesn't have a category for creation outside of the heavens and the earth, which means if they aren't earth beings, they must be heaven beings, right? They must be from the heavenly spiritual realm, which means they're either malevolent or benevolent forces because in scripture there is God's kingdom and there are those angelic and human rebels against his purposes. So if you're looking at malevolent extraterrestrial beings, you must conclude as you study scripture that they are malevolent demonic beings, right? So same thing, like yeah. th this particular gentleman who thought that he had went to heaven and, and come back. Again, if you map that out with scripture, well, what do we see in scripture? There is a heaven, absolutely, but it's an intermediary state. We would even subscribe to a position that would say that heaven is full of heavenly beings, that disembodied spirits are actually asleep, right, of the saints. They are asleep in Christ until the day of resurrection. But beyond that, what we would say is that even when Paul had some sort of vision that brought him up into the heavenlies, he was commanded not to speak about it. Right? Yeah. So that gives us discernment to start sorting through the testimonies and the personal experiences of other people. So then when somebody comes, we don't want to necessarily discredit their experience. They might have experienced something, but if you weigh that experience against scripture, you would see that if an experience like that was true, it seems as though the Apostle Paul couldn't even write about it. So why would we listen to somebody else regale us in an experience that the Apostle Paul was not able to pen scripture about? You know what I mean? Yeah. So all that to say, I agree with you completely. I think this is a fascinating topic as long as you stay tethered to the word of God. And that's the huge difference, I think, between this podcast and just generally fringy, fringy stuff, fringy yeah. stuff um, because it is tethered. It's almost reeled in, so to speak. Yeah. But they still explore all the like, we have to reconcile this stuff. Obviously, we, we get in these conversations all the time with people. And, and I often run into people who kind of come from the same similar background that I come from in this, where it's like, 
the default position is that it's not true. You know what I mean? Right. And so like the experience is like, I'm very skeptical of like anything, even like supernatural. You know what I mean? Even though I recognize theologically God, part of the red sea, every, like, yeah. but you do have to wrestle. And this is why I'm not a cessationalist or anything. You have to wrestle with the fact that there was an expectation. The prophets of Baal would be able to succeed in what they had done. The Pharaoh's magicians were able to do some of the, yeah. some of the miracles. There's Simon, the sorcerer. There's like, yeah. there is other there, power. There, there's the girl who new Testament post cross where it says that she had the spirit of a Python. It didn't say she thought she had the spirit of a Python. It legit says she had the spirit of a Python. Exactly. So like, and there's nothing. And I would say nothing um, that would say that that has diminished in our world at all, right. which is one of the things I actually have enjoyed the most through the podcast so far. Like we could obviously nerd out on every individual, like the Mothman is insanely scary. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I started seeing red eyes everywhere. But I mean, like men in black, like we could go through any of those things and it's and it's terrifying and just cool to talk about. But what I thought was the most impactful thing as I'm just thinking Christianly through this subject was um, the idea that like we, I think, often forget that our enemy and the so and his minions, however you want to say it, are also playing chess. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, and so the yeah. idea that like we get it for yeah. ourselves—it's a losing chess game, but they are playing. They're still trying to checkmate, and so it's like strategy. So we, even the Mothman episode, I realize I'm picking on like the second episode or whatever, but they talk about how we appeared one time and it looked metallic and it wasn't quite scary enough. They're very careful to say that like we don't know that that happened, like, but it's like. The strategy there is to find something that's terrifying to people and then do that thing because it always comes with dread. And so they're just playing like a long game, a long strategy out through. I thought that was very interesting and helpful, I think, for Christians. And I thought that the um, one of the things that they said on there that I thought was just a very succinct way of saying it, because I think you find a lot of reformed Christians who are actually more materialists than they like to believe, Mm -hmm. who reject all of this stuff, would say something like, well, what's the point, right? Like, why would a demon just pretend to be the ghost of a female, you know, haunting a house or whatever. Like, why do that? What's the point there? That they're not subverting the gospel, they're not whatever. And I think, like, what you have to remember is that these are undying, malevolent spirits that hate you and want to do everything they can to negatively impact Christians and the world that God made. Here's the thing. They hate God's world, and they want you to hate God's world. And so if they can instill fear and dread and terror and and apprehension and and nervousness, then they will, right? And so these things, and and this is in the, the Black Eyed Children episode where it talks about, like, why depict, why haunt, why show, like, children? It's like, well, because there's nothing more innocent and lovely in the world than children. And so for a malevolent spiritual being to mar that image is to actually subvert the way God created the world. So what they're trying to do is, is make you hate what God wants you to love. Yeah. They talk about like the life is in the blood and we would, we would say that's true, right? Like, um, and so like the life is in the blood and like, we naturally go just in our lifeblood, but it's also in our lineage of life. That's right. Like when you have kids, your blood is passed down, right? So if they can destroy your offspring, they've succeeded, right? Like there's a great biblical picture there. It's like, what is Satan trying to do? He's trying to destroy Christ, which is God's offspring, right? Like the seed. It's so good. I also thought it was, so I have tons to say. Go for it, go for it. Um, I also thought it was unbelievably just hard to grasp, but like, as you're thinking, it's hard to even say what I'm trying to say is just like that they would appear in forms that we would just be able to materialistically like explain away. 
nowadays it's aliens. You right. Know I mean? Whereas like back in the 1700s, it was vampires because they, they, they had categories for these things. And right. it's like, and it's like, well, that makes total sense, right? Like why they would appear in a way that like, because they, what they don't want to do is point you to heaven, right? Yeah. They don't want to point you to a biblical creation, right? And so they're going to use the folklore of the Native Americans to haunt the Native Americans. They're going to use the legendary stories of the people of Transylvania or what, you know what I mean? Like, so that is interesting because even think about the last like three years, the amount of like UFO sightings and, and the government acknowledging UFO sightings and stuff like this has just been through the roof. And so you're like, well, why is that? Again, because if anything, I would say the existence of aliens would actually undermine the Christian gospel in the minds of a lot of Christians because they haven't thought through these categories before. Yeah. And so that would actually bring out a, a whole lot of doubt in the Christian faith. And so they're revealing themselves in ways that undermine the Christian gospel. And like you said, can be pointed to even if it is, what's the term they use? It's not supernatural. What's the what's the category in between? There's natural, there's supernatural, and then there's like there's some there was some sort of middle category. There's a where, term yeah. we don't remember. Yeah, what we it don't is. know. This not, is why we don't prepare. But, but whatever that term is, the idea is like so you can point to explanations, even though a vampire is not natural. It's not quite supernatural. It's not a it's not a category of spiritual beings. But there's an explanation within that culture's folklore, right? Yeah. And I, uh, well, so yeah. The, on on that whole whole idea, that's one of the things I was I was thinking about. Like, because I've listened to like ten of them now in like four days, it seems. I do work, <laughs> but like, <laughs> no, I was thinking about this idea that there is no neutral. They say that on our podcast, we've said that a bazillion times, nothing is neutral, which means even our interpretations of things aren't neutral, right? There's right. always like, we're coming with foundation, a baggage, even baggage that is, should be put to death because it's, you know, we've been raised up in, in a culture that's very different than what's reality. Yeah. You know what I mean, one of the, the goals here is simply doubt. Like, cause if they can lead us to unbelief, it's like that idea, like uh, in screw tape letters, we were talking about this this morning. If he can convince you, he doesn't exist. He wins. But once you're convinced that the enemy exists, well, what does he do then? He needs you to doubt everything that's true. Right. Everything that you see, everything, everything is good and true and beautiful. It, cause he doesn't care if you believe in God, as long as you don't believe in Yahweh, as long as you don't believe in Jesus yeah. Christ, he still wins. You know what I mean? That's why false religions are still on his, on his team. You can be the most pious religious person in the entire world, like the Pharisees. And still be on Satan's side. He just doesn't want the blood of Christ covering you. You know That's what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. And so I was thinking about this idea, like, even all the plausible excuses, like, you know, oh, sleep paralysis could be REM sleep where your body doesn't quite trigger and you don't quite wake up, which feels very unsatisfying to me. But like for a lot of people, that would be a satisfying explanation. Yep. Because our default position is to explain away what we can't understand, to explain away the supernatural to a real thing. But Ultimately, like, even that's their work too, right? Right. Because it's hiding that it's really demons, it's really um, angels, and there really is oppression, and it really is, like, that sort of thing, because all of those things lead to unbelief. So even if the plausible explanation medically for something is given, even if that's not true, lots of people will grasp onto it because it's like, oh, well, that explains this other thing out. But even if you don't agree with that and you're like, that doesn't explain my problem, it still has caused unbelief. Now you're doubting, even, am I just crazy? Am I just thing? And like you think about it in our culture, what has really just raged since the 80s? I don't remember mental health being a thing when I yeah, was growing up. True. You know what I mean? Like 
gluten-free, all this stuff. And I'm not saying these things are, aren't rural, but I mean like- Did you just all blame of, gluten-free on demons? Yes, I did. No, but I, no, no, I don't actually. I blame it on processed foods. But no, what I mean is like there seems to be a lot more ailments now than there was when we were kids. For sure. And one of the big ones is that there's an excuse for like I having anxiety. Right. Well, there's you, a materialistic explanation for everything. Yeah, that's a very good way to say yeah. it. Um, but it's like I have anxiety. Well, that's not a sin problem. That's not something you need to put to death because that's the mental illness that you can live with. You can't be blamed for right. being depressed. You can't be blamed for this. And it's like there's the materialistic Right. Whereas the Bible, and just to be clear, this is not the direction I thought this podcast would take. (laughs) And just to be clear, there is not a biblical category for that, right? There's not a biblical category for a type of anxiety that is not called sinful, that does not need to be put to death. I know that's a hard truth, and there would be people who we know who suffer with anxiety, and yet I would say that the root cause of all of these things is unbelief, right? At some level, right? And that's where I was going, right? Yeah, and so like... At some level, anxiety is caused by a lack of belief in the sovereignty of God. And what I mean by that is not that you can't check the category theologically, but there is some way in which you are not applying that theological doctrine to your everyday living that is causing anxiety. But that is a hard truth, but I, it is one that I, I'll stand beside. Maybe we need to do a full episode on that some at some point. I, I was just going to say, like, because, yeah, because that's a long conversation, but I do not believe that there is a biblical category for Fear, depression, anxiety that is not at some level sinful. And again, if scripture is all that we have and all that we need for life and for godliness, then it ought to make a category for these what we would call mental illnesses or ailments that is not sinful. But we don't have that category. Anxiety is just blanketly called sinful. Fear is called sinful. Worry is called sinful, right? I would even say depression, right? That is a lack of joy, which is a fruit of the spirit. And so, yeah, that's that's a whole episode. I yeah. feel like I feel like a whole bunch of questions just came yeah. in, and you can direct them to Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Lloyd Jones actually says depression is a failure to understand your justification. That's exactly and right. Like, that's spiritual depression. And I would so say for anybody who's maybe listening to us and and immediately jumping on the keyboard to, to type out an angry email, I would say read Spiritual Depression by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Dude was a medical doctor who quit his practice in order to be a pastor and a preacher. And the reason he did that was because he was tired of giving medical medicine, so to speak, to treat spiritual ailments. And so he said, if I'm going to get at the root cause of people's actual condition, it's all spiritual, yeah. right? God said to Ahaz in Isaiah 7, if you are not firm in faith, you won't be firm in anything. Yeah, that was a big side note on yeah, what so, we wanted. Yeah. What did you want to talk about? Because <laughs> <laughs> I have lots to say about vampires. That- here's, well, here, okay, so here's my thing. This is one of the reasons I wanted to bring up Haunted Cosmos. Obviously, we enjoy the podcast. We're fans of the podcast. And I think in some ways, shedding light on the unseen realm is a very helpful and necessary thing for Christians to do. I don't think there's enough churches, enough pastors, enough Christians talking about the unseen realm. Now, we're talking in broad categories that if you're jumping into this conversation and and you're kind of lost in what we're saying, there are biblical cosmology series that you should go back and listen to. I think they came out in like the... I don't know. What would you say, Chris? Like September, like August, September. Must have been before that, actually. No, it's like last summer. 
last summer. Yeah. There you go. So go and take a look at those biblical cosmology series so that you have the categories for what we're talking about, because we're not going to take the time to go back and talk about Psalm 82 and Psalm 89 and, and you know, uh, Genesis 6 and some of the places in Scripture where we see those things. But here's what I would say. Okay, there is an unseen realm, and in Scripture there are categories for giants, for demons, for Liliths, as you were saying earlier, and all these various things. Now, I want to direct people because I think Haunted Cosmos, like I said, we're fans. Go listen to it and stuff. I feel like we've praised the podcast. Let's do that. That's They're great. Brian Sauve and, and uh, Ben Garrett are awesome. I also want to issue cannot do is get obsessed with this realm, right? You are a physical being who has been placed in the physical world. And there are unseen spiritual entities in a different realm, dimension, whatever language you want to use. There are principalities and powers of the air, right? Ephesians is clear on this. Daniel is even clear. There's a prince of Persia, right? There's there are demonic entities that oversee, I would say, governmental spirits and all that kind of stuff. I think, I think that men like Justin Trudeau, who are leading our country away from Christ, are under the oppression and influence of principalities and powers of darkness that sole purpose is to try to lead Canada away from Christ. Okay. I'm glad you just didn't say he's a lizard person. Like, <laughs> no. I don't know if there's an yeah. episode on that. Like, <laughs> there's no, there are no episodes uh, on that. They're not that unhinged. Okay, good. <laughs> um, but what I would say is that what you cannot do is you cannot live your life in that spiritual realm and be so obsessed with that spiritual realm that you make what I would say is a necessary and important background story in Scripture the main story of Scripture. I would say this is where I have issues with Heiser's work. 100%. Because um, he, he does bring the, like, Christ died primarily to pay for the sins of the watchers and things like that as, like, a foreground of what yeah. the redemption is. And it's like, no, no, that could be part of it. And I'm not arguing, but it's like, it seems like that's more important to him than the redemption of yeah, man. Yeah, I've like, even heard him say that, like, if you ask the question, why is the world as bad as it is, he would give the twofold answer, not just because of the fall. He would say, well, because of the fall and because of Genesis 6 and the creation of the Nephilim and the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim and all that kind of stuff. And I would just say, like, yeah, you can... uh, Genesis 6 is super important. We've talked about the importance of Genesis 6, but what you cannot do is you cannot elevate something that is secondary into a primary place. And when you're looking at all of the New Testament passages about reversing the fall... They're going to Genesis 3, not to Genesis 6. It's about the fall of of mankind at the hands of Adam, not at the creation of the Nephilim by the intermingling between celestial beings and terrestrial beings. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting your warning because I I had a pastor friend, I won't say his name. This is when I first became a Christian. Oftentimes when you do first become saved, this is a topic that kind of comes to the foreground because obviously like, it dawns on you. These things are real. There well, are suddenly real, you're like, not a materialist, right? So it's exactly. like, oh, there's more than what I see. Exactly. And I remember this pastor friend, older guy, he was like a little bit mentor me at, when I first got saved, but he was like, uh, you know, I have some recordings of like some stuff I don't have explanations for just in the material world, so to speak. But very wisely, he was like, I'm not going to let you listen to those. Like, so don't ask, like, because I was asking all these questions. And the reason is because he's like, Somebody who isn't mature, who isn't grounded in the right way, doesn't have the right foundation, these things can actually be detrimental to your faith. Not because these things aren't real, but because, and I think this is the warning that you're saying, if you get too obsessed with these things, then all of a sudden plain things in scripture become 
there's more to it than it needs to be. You start to see things that aren't necessarily always there because your mind is no longer picking up the narrative that is there, right? Yeah. Things like, well, why did God destroy Jericho? Become not just God destroyed Jericho because it pleased him to do that or, or, or whatever it becomes because, oh, all of them were Nephilim people. So he only right. ever destroyed Nephilim people. Everybody in Egypt, all the firstborn sons were actually sons of the devil. Scripture doesn't say that. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's so a good point. you're adding things in there to then to explain away. And what that actually is, is unbelief. It's doubt. It's, it's well, causing it, you to and, question. And it's adding like, to scripture and it, it's undercutting your faith that scripture is enough. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that there's a... That's um, a good point. What it ends up doing is, so like we've we've had even people who have followed our, our work and, and got into Haunted Cosmos and stuff like that, who then start looking and you're like, okay, so you look at the Exodus account. Let's be honest, the Exodus account is a prototype of salvation, right? It's God calling his people out of slavery, right, into relationship with him. And throughout scripture, it's used for that. That's the metaphor that it's used for. Now, do I think that in sending the plagues that there's a connection between the gods of Egypt and Yahweh making fools of the gods of Egypt? Absolutely. Every single one of the 10 plagues has to do with one of the Egyptian gods. And so they had various gods who would oversee various things. And what Yahweh, I think, was doing was actually showing his superiority over the lesser gods of Egypt. Absolutely. That is part of the story. But it's not the story. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. The story is that God is calling his people out of slavery in order to worship him. Literally, that's why we have a call to worship every single week in our liturgy service, because God calls his people out of slavery to worship him. And so what you can't do is you can't make the secondary thing the main thing. We've seen people, we have good friends who, who we see sort of all of a sudden sort of reinterpreting scripture based on, you know, I, this is what baptism is really about. This is what the Lord's Supper is really about. This is what the story of the flood was really about. As you mentioned, this is what the conquest of Canaan through Joshua was really all about. And she's like, you can't make the secondary thing the main thing, right? It can be an undercurrent. It can be there. It can be an important facet of the story. It gives fuller and deeper meaning to it all. But that does not mean that this becomes the primary story of Scripture. The primary story of Scripture is that God is winning the world back to himself and redeeming the physical creation that we unleashed sin into the world through the fall of Adam and Eve. That is the biblical story. And he's saving people through the redemptive sacrifice of his son. The biblical story is not the triumph of Yahweh over the lesser gods. That's a sub-theme. It's there. It's it's embedded in the cross. I mean, the, I think it's Colossians 3 where it says, when Christ is on the cross, he put the principalities and powers to open shame. That is part of what happened on the cross. But it's not the main thing that happened on the cross. The main thing that happened on the cross was God the Father was buying back a sin-stained world through the blood of his own son. That's it, right? Just the warning is don't make this the main thing that you see in scripture. Don't get obsessed with the unseen realm. Put it in its proper place, understand it, nerd out about it, but don't let it begin to rewrite the major themes of scripture in your mind. Yeah, and, and I would say nerd out with it with other people. You know what I mean? Don't nerd out on this alone. That sounds, that sounds, that sounds so weird. Yeah. Wait, like, no, you're right. Like, but like nerd out in a way that like, yeah. you're, you're, like if I started to go crazy into this, you're here to reel me back in. You know yeah, what I mean? like, that's a good point. And it's like, and like, if you went crazy into the, like this realm, I'm here to pull you back in. And so like, and likewise with other friends and whatnot, it's good and fine for Christians to 
understand this stuff. I actually think it's important for us to, to, to understand these things, but we can never let, like you're saying, let this become the main thing. Yeah. Um, because that's when it's like all of a sudden the book of Enoch becomes as Scripture. important. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, well, and that's, that's one of our criticisms of Heiser's work, right? Is that he elevates the book of Enoch to scripture and a lot of second temple literature he puts on par with scripture. I mean, he says all the right things in terms of making the caveats, but he has biblical categories for things and that those doctrines and theologies, he literally just got out of extra biblical sources. And so those are the kinds of things that it's like, you, you have to be careful about that, right? One of the things you actually said this just a few Sundays ago or whatnot was like, we're bad at this by default with other things too. Like we, we get our theology of heaven from Hallmark cards, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, from, um, from like, Philly cheese commercials. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember the cheese coming, but like, because that's what we've been seeing. That's what we've, we've shown. Most of our theology of hell, like not most, but a lot of it comes from Paradise Lost, Dante's Inferno. Like, yeah, 100%. And it's like, those aren't scriptural things. Yeah. They might draw on a lot of those. Here, here's things. an illustration for you. I mean, how many average people in the world, either Christians or people who with some sort of church background, would assume that Eve ate an apple in the Garden of Eden? Everybody. Nowhere in scripture does it say anything about an apple. It's always just called a fruit. Do you know where we get the term apple from or the idea of the apple? I would assume Paradise Lost. Yeah, it's John Milton's Paradise Lost. That's where it's an apple. Only there is it an apple. I shouldn't say only, but first there, it's an apple. And John Milton's Paradise Lost was so influential in terms of shaping how we understand some of these things. If anybody hasn't read Paradise Lost, it's a bit of a tough slug, but it's if you like epic poetry, if you've read like, you know, the Iliad and the Odyssey and any of that kind of stuff, it, it is phenomenal. But a lot of the things that he paints suddenly became scripture in the minds of the medieval church. And that tradition just kind of got passed on through art and through biblical accounts and stories and commentaries and all that kind of stuff. So that's a good example of like something extra biblical that has painted us in such a way that most people would assume it's an apple, even though it's never called an apple. It might not even be a fruit that we know of today. It might have been its own fruit. It might have been a fruit that died off after the flood. You know, who knows? Yeah, I used to always say like that it was a tomato. And Which is why you... Yeah. And then I don't like tomatoes. tomatoes. I, it's because it's like... it's And then somebody just very gently and kindly pointed out that tomatoes are a vegetable. It's and awkward. they don't grow on trees. That's awkward. <laughs> um, so there's that. But I just like what... Like that's a really good example. And then one of the other ones that I would say would permeate is that the idea that like Satan and his demons are ruling in hell is from Dante's Inferno. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, And it's like, again, that's just a lie being told because... What's the lie there to the world around us that hell is a big party with all your friends and you're just going to be living up your debauchery? Right. It's like, and no. you prefer their rule to Christ's rule, right? Like, so therefore, yeah. Exactly. When what. Although Dante's Inferno paints a very awful view of hell, but certainly that idea that it's a place yeah. that's ruled in a particular way. Yeah, I've never actually read it. I read uh, a Cole's notes of it. Of yeah. it. <laughs> so, it's terrible. It's uh, but, terrible. Uh, but like that idea, like like you're all going to be hanging out with your friends in hell when scripture paints a very different picture, like outer darkness, solo screaming, like tons of different things. So those are some of the warnings. We didn't get to any of the questions, so we probably should do an episode on questions another time. Yes, we most definitely should. Um, so I'm just going to ask another Haunted Cosmos question then. Talk to me about the men in black for a second. Where are you with this? Yeah, like, that's terrifying. Like, long appendages and things like And, like, then they use that and then they point out the, the vampire who they slayed in the ground who his fingers had grown since he had died. Like, <laughs> this is where my question was going. So this is like, now we're just off script here. I have a side note, just a, just a quick point of trivia. 
Maybe. Not trivia, but just because you said you never read Dante's Inferno. I wouldn't have guessed that because you're very well read. So it's too hard to read. I can't, in I this, at the very center of hell, there are three individuals whose heads are in the mouths of Satan himself as the sort of most punished of all sinners. You'll know because you like the Pirates of the Caribbean. Remember Jack Sparrow says the innermost circle of hell is reserved for... Mutineers. Yeah. Betrayers and mutineers. So who are the three? Who are the three historical men? That Dante would say was... Uh, right. There? Now remember, Divine Comedy was written by Virgil, right? So think of the era. I would assume Judas. Judas is number one. Pharaoh? No. So interestingly, think of this. Cassius and Brutus, who betrayed Julius Caesar. Oh, Isn't that interesting? That is yeah. interesting. Just sorry, sorry. There, there you go. Trivial Pursuit. Every, Don't say the rebels have never helped in Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> Every once in a while, you do like a mind flex. And it's like, it's just like, yeah, you have degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did read Dante's Divine Comedy in university, but uh, it was. Uh, that's, my, no. my point on that was just simply like, I don't think anybody would know that. You know that. Well, like, there you go. Do, now you know. Ben Garrett probably knew that. Ben Garrett probably knew that. He's I don't know these guys today. at all, Like, but it's hard sometimes to tell who's who Like when you're listening to a podcast. Yep. Do you think anybody mixes us up? No, because you have a clear voice and I like, you have like sound the, like I'm always plugged. Give yourself some credit, man. You have the voice of a chain smoker of 40 years <laughs> sing, singing raspy rock in a, in a you know dive bar. That's your voice. That's something to be proud of. <laughs> he sings like he talks, folks. <laughs> Come to Crossroads. He sounds like my grandpa. Uh, but it's like, okay, so really back to my question. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is your thought then on like vampires that there are people who are then possessed by a demon? And that's why they like they and like as they've been possessed for a long time, they, they start to take on demonic traits. We always get conformed into who we behold, right? right. Or is it that they are like physical manifestations of the demons. So it's like, it's just pure demon. There's no human in there at all. No. So what I would say in that uh, vampire episode, so there's a Haunted Cosmos episode, I think it's in season one called The Life is in the Blood. And that's their episode on vampires. Yeah, and that's stuff, the right? Lilith episode. Yeah. Great episode. So go and listen to that if you don't know what we're talking about, because now we're just going to nerd out and anybody who hasn't listened to this, this is going to be bad radio. What I would say is I think that what happens there is that you have a particular individual who dies within a community. So what happens is there are these accounts of literal like towns mayors writing to the crown asking for soldiers to come because there's a you know a murderer on the loose in the town or whatever and then like 2 weeks later writes back to the authorities and just kind of says, "Oh, we figured out what it was." Many people said it was this guy that they saw. He died several months ago. So we dug up his body and we found out that his fingernails had been growing. His teeth were larger and there was fresh blood. So we just decapitated him and things seem to be going normal now. Like, like those are literally the stories, right? And that sounds fantastical until you realize in the era, like these are professional men who, if the kings and the authorities over them thought they were crazy, would be removed from their roles. This is not the internet area of trolling. And there's no theory of evolution. Right. Right. Like everything is creator supernatural. That's right. Regardless of it's the correct. So here's what I think happened. I think that for whatever reason, I think as you've seen, if you listen to much of Haunted Cosmos, a lot of times 
hauntings and various demonic activity are generally connected to paganism and obviously like demonic worship, occultism, and all that kind of stuff. So I think what you would have is you would have maybe a town that's pretty well steeped in occultism, right? Or, or something like that. So there's a reason for a demonic presence to care about this particular town. And again, so what they're doing, I think it would be a demon that then sort of not resurrects the body of the dead because only God has the power of resurrection, but I think then like corporally sort of possessing the dead body, right? I think that you would either have something like that or the demon manifests as. Now, if it manifests as, suddenly you have the conundrum of, well, when they dug up the body, why had the nails grown or whatever, right? Well, I don't know the answer to that question. Part of me is just like, how much had they grown, right? Like how much does fear sort of play? And like, think about it. When you were afraid of something and you think back to a, a scene when you were, even if it, you were really young when you were scared, I imagine that you remember that incorrectly in certain ways, right? Like, oh, the guy who's running after you was, had to have been six and a half feet tall. Well, he was probably only six feet tall, but like your fear and your memory and, and that sort of stuff do different things. So did those townspeople who pulled up the body that was only two or three or four weeks old that wouldn't have been completely decomposed yet how used to seeing a dead body that was three weeks decomposed with a c you know all that kind of stuff like i just don't know i'm not convinced that every detail in the story is as it was written i think some of it would have had to be this is a town that went through a haunting and a, and a series of murders so so that's sort of my take on that sort of stuff is i think a lot of the stories that they tell the black eyed children one is another one where it's just like okay that you know that girl who was in the gas station and the two kids come and kind of haunt her and all that kind of stuff so then the question becomes okay is that exactly how it happened were there drugs involved i, I don't know right like i think that those things have happened can happen but i think there's also just a degree of error in recalling things especially stories that sort of are scary and sort of advance over time and how much does your mind play into these things mm. i still think they're demonic i still think you're being terrorized yeah, yeah, by demons i just don't know that there are actual physical children there is that something in your mind is that whatever i so that's sort of where i land on all that i was thinking about when i was listening to it like the biblical accounts of when angels appear i think it's every time but quote me if it isn't that every time the person falls down and tries to worship and when it's not Christ, they say, don't worship me. You yes. know what I mean? Like, whereas like, so by reverse. Unless they appear as men, like they did to Abraham and, and yeah, that sort yeah, of stuff. Then, yeah, yeah. But when an angel shows up in its glory. And yes. it's, yeah. Like a demon then would be able to have similar effect. And so, but they would want the praise and the worship. So they would want like you to fall down in fear and they'd be fine with that. They wouldn't need to, 100%. they wouldn't correct because they want that. that. Right. So I was struck by the idea like, they constantly want that affirmation almost like they talk about it all the way through, like almost one of the universal things in all the accounts is the, is the overwhelming sense of dread, the overwhelming yeah. sense of fear. And it's like, they're feeding off that. Right. Cause like you generally will worship what you fear, you know what I mean? Kind of thing, so to speak. Like obviously there's a very close connection between fear and worship, right? We are to fear God, yeah. right? And the whole point of fearing God, we make it about reverence, but no, no, it, there's also just an aspect of fear. Don't don't fear the one who can kill the body, fear the one who can kill the body and the soul in hell, Jesus says, right? Yeah. So, and we are called to fear God. And you and I have talked about this before on the podcast, I can't remember where, but it, we talk about it like there's one fear that rules them all, right? So the idea of fearing God is that if you fear God, 
then you have nothing else to fear because you fear the creator who is in control of all things, the sovereign one, right? The maker of heaven and earth. And if you fear him, then you have nothing else to fear because everything else that there is to fear is created and subject to his sovereignty. So all that to say, when a malevolent spirit shows up in whatever form it takes and there is fear, I imagine that there is a a very thin veneer between the outright dread that they feel and the worship, the proper sort of reverent fear and worship. And then beyond that, you have to remember again, their goal is to make you hate God and his world, right? So when they manifest, if they manifest as sort of black-eyed children, or there's a ghost episode where it talks about how often ghosts show up as like women and women in white dresses and all that kind of stuff, because what that's doing is it's it's subverting the image of the bride, which is supposed to be a beautiful thing that's supposed to be longed for, right? Same thing, yeah, subverting the, the, so the, the view of children. And so it's like, it's taking what God meant to be beautiful and lovely and desirable, and it makes it ugly and profane and dreadful, right? They're just trying to subvert what God made good and beautiful and, yeah. and make it ugly. Do they do one on zombies? How like zombies are, I, I don't, I'm just asking because I don't, I haven't listened to it all yet. I haven't listened to a zombie episode. No. Cause I, I was thinking about when they were talking about like the subversion. Cause I listened to that part of like, Oh, they show up as this because they're actually perverting something that's glorious. And I was thinking like the bodily resurrection is a glorious thing that we have to look forward to for those in Christ. And like the idea of like everybody who comes back to like dies and then comes back, but they come back mindless, that's a, like a as if resurrection is a thing to be feared, as opposed to the great hope that New Testament scripture gives it. That's exactly. a good. That's like, a really good point. Like, and even the people who are like alive in the zombie time, Dude, like I feel like you should send them an email. <laughs> like, if you're, Listen, if you're ben, listening, you're not listening. I, uh, I, <laughs> so you have no. We will, idea be, at who the, we are. We will be at right response yeah. with them. Maybe you'll get yeah. an opportunity. They're on a whole different level. Like they're like it's unbelievable. And the other thing, sorry, I'm just shifting all Give over her. the place here. Go for it. There was another thing that I was like, that is profoundly good application for people who do are listening to the thing. It was that like the whole idea, like they seem to be completely powerless unless you invite them in. Yeah. Isn't that funny how that's a recurring theme, whether it's vampires, whether it's black eyed children, whether it's ghosts, whether it's um the, the men in black. Yeah. Like they don't, it, they can't do anything until you invite them. Yeah. Which is actually, I would say that's also, I think, very biblical when you think about jurisdictional authority, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Satan could do nothing with Adam and Eve until they essentially listened to his voice. That's the first thing it says. And then he sort of tricks them into the disobedience. But throughout scripture, again, you see that idea of of jurisdictional authority, right? Yeah. I was just thinking of like, Christ goes into the strong man's house, he bound the strong man. And now that strong man has no authority to come into my house and do what he wants there. Unless I tell him he can. You know That's what I mean? Right. Like, unless I can say, come on That's in. Right. And then it's so, yeah, like, and then all bets are off. There's two ways to get into a strong man's house, right? Either you bind the strong man or the strong man lets you in. Those are the two ways, yeah, right? Yeah, I see that place too. And so I was just thinking about that. And then I was thinking like all the ways we inadvertently let them in. You know, as dudes, how many times have we talked about like, you're inviting yeah, you this kind in. of thing when you're... When you're you're looking at pornography, you are inviting malevolent spirits into the home with that sort of disobedience, right? When you you entertain those kinds of thoughts, when you have extramarital affairs, whether they're digital or real, it's interesting in the, I think it's in the Black Eyed Kids episode where they're talking about, and Brian, again, kind of just pastorally just says, like, just on a side note here, guys, like, let's not miss that in a lot of horror movies, it's the teenagers who are like fornicating. It's the chick who takes her top off that always gets chainsaw massacred first. Right. And that's, that's just like a shtick in horror films. But like, there is something to be said about a lot of these things that like, 
sleep paralysis, that episode, right? They talk a lot about how this happened in a cohabitation, uh, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend sleeping together and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, again, like, what are you doing? Well, again, if these forces hate God, then they are committed to attacking his image. And one of the primary ways that they can attack the image of God in terms of like burning the king in effigy, so to speak, is to attack marriage. Because Ephesians 5 tells us that the profound mystery of marriage is that the one flesh union in marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. So all that to say, like, when we are sinful, and of course, we're not advocating for sinless perfectionism. What we're saying, though, is that, like, when you continuously allow sin and you are not fighting it, you are not putting it to death, you are not taking your battle against sin seriously, and you bring these sinful things into your home, you are inviting these malevolent spirits in. So they might not be black-eyed children knocking on the door asking you to cross the threshold, but it might come in through your computer, right? It might come in through Tinder. It might come in through, yeah. Yeah, like Lobe. Like, like yeah, Lobe AI. That's all oh we're going to say, yeah. Some advice for anybody? Don't listen to that episode and then Google that at yeah. 1130 at night on your cell phone. Because if somebody was to knock on my door last night, I may have wet myself. Let me just say, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even a Freddy cat guy, but I was just like, I was just like, that is a terrifying picture. Yeah. And the fact, sorry, I went on a bunny trail. The fact that non-connected AIs all across the world have been showing similar photos to people who search for totally different things, be like, that's freaky. That's a demon. We need well, to cast it out. Again, isn't it interesting that the motif that comes up is this like grotesque, as you said, almost like zombie-like, right? So like mockery of the resurrection, but also this like woman, right? Almost like this perverted Eve figure, right? Adam named Eve, Eve, because it means the mother of all that's living, right? It's almost like this lobe figure is like the mother of death, right? Because it's always depicted with blood, mm. with literally like dead baby carcasses and like just grotesque. It's, it's just a very subversive thing. So and uh, Margaret Singer? Like. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, seriously. So, yeah. so anyway, okay. Takeaways we- from this episode. <laughs> You should listen to Haunted Cosmos. Yeah. Number two, you should listen to it tethered to the word of God and to a strong Christian community. Number three, enjoy nerding out about this stuff, but don't make secondary storylines and secondary things the main thing. Your job as a Christian is to love God, to make disciples, and to expand the kingdom of God in the physical world around you. That is your job. All those other things, the spiritual warfare that goes on that we were supposed to put armor on to protect ourselves against, secondary, tertiary issue. It is happening. It is going on. But our primary responsibility is to put sin to death in our own life, to make disciples, and to expand Christ's kingdom. And as we continue to do that, God's going to be the one fighting behind the scenes. You don't have to exercise every demon because God is going to war on your behalf when you worship him properly and you live in obedience.